0: Okay, this morning we're continuing to look at the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit in 1 Corinthians um, chapter 12. Our reading this morning is actually quite short, it's half a verse, um, but I'm going to read a few more verses before it just to give us a bit of context, so hopefully the, the words will be up on screen in a wee second, um, just to let us um, read these words together. So it says, now there are different gifts but the same Spirit. There are different ministries, but the same Lord. And there are different activities, but the same God works in all of them, in each person. A manifestation of the Spirit is given to each person for the common good. To one is given a message of wisdom through the Spirit, to another a message of knowledge by the same Spirit, and to another, faith by the same Spirit. So this morning that last wee bit that we're going to be looking at that says the gift of faith is given by the same Spirit. So I know Mark's already prayed, but let's pray together again before we, we start to look at this passage. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning, not just for the gifts of the Spirit, but we thank you for the gift of your Spirit. And we thank you that uh, it's his job to lead us into all truth. Mm-hmm. We thank you that it's his job um to teach us and to convict us concerning sin and righteousness and so this morning we pray that as we look at your word that your holy spirit would be doing these things in us both here um, in the church and to those watching on the live stream we pray that your spirit would take your word and make it not just something that we hear but we pray that he would make it powerful and alive in our lives that he would be able to take your word and make us into the people that you desire us to be. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So as I said this morning, we're we're looking at faith. And really, as we go through this this morning, I want us to consider three questions. First of all, what is faith? Secondly, why is faith important? And thirdly, how do we get faith? Now, some of you, depending on how long you've maybe been a Christian, maybe already have answers to some of these questions, but I'm hoping that by the time we finish this morning that everybody's got an answer, and hopefully we all have the the same answers. So, the first question is, what is faith? And there are lots and lots of definitions of faith, uh, and there's definitions of faith in, in Scripture. But for the purposes of this morning, I want us to do go with what I consider to be hopefully a very simple but a very accurate description of what faith is. And so this morning I want to define faith as faith is believing God. Now notice it doesn't say that faith is believing in God. It simply says that faith is believing God. Because the Bible says that Um, Even uh, the demons believe in God and they shudder. So their belief in God doesn't actually do them any good. They know that God exists. They know who God is. But the Bible also speaks about the obedience of faith or the obedience that comes from faith and so I can believe that vaccines are a good thing, very topical thing at the moment Um, and uh, I can believe, and I can read all the evidence that says that getting a vaccine will protect me from lots of different illnesses like polio and mumps and whooping cough and all these kind of things. But less of actually going along to someone and overcoming my fear of needles and getting jabbed by someone, then all that knowledge, all that faith or belief in vaccines does me no good whatsoever. So I need to put my faith in very clever people that have made these vaccines and go and get the vaccine in order to enjoy the benefits of its protection. And likewise, we can have faith in God, but unless we've reached that point where we believe God, and we believe therefore who God is and what God says is true, if we're not acting on that faith, then that faith, where is the evidence of that faith? It's just head knowledge. It's not actually something that we're showing that we actually put into practice. So, that's my definition of faith this morning. Believing God. Secondly, there's the importance of faith. A torch. A torch has one function in life, which is to shine light. And a torch that doesn't shine light is absolutely useless. But a torch, in order for it to shine, needs batteries. I will not shine this light in anybody's face in the camera because um, this little torch, the torch I put on my bike in order to, so that I'm seen at night. So this little torch not only shows me where I'm going, it keeps me safe by hopefully blinding car drivers. Mm so that I don't hear the famous phrase that all bikers dread. And Jeremy will back me up and I says, Sorry mate, I didn't see you. <laughs> and so, without the batteries, the torch is useless. No power, no light, quite frankly, no point. And so in the same way, the Bible says about faith, that without faith, it's impossible to please God, since anyone who draws near to him must believe that he exists. That's the belief in God. But more importantly, it says, and that he rewards those who seek him. So again, faith is believing God, believing that when we come to God, that God will hear us, that God will respond to us. Mark's already mentioned this morning that we have this promise in the Bible that when we come to him and when we confess our sin, the Bible says that God is faithful and just and God will forgive us our sins. And so when we come to God, whether we're doing it at home on our own or whether we're doing it on a Sunday when we gather together, we gather together in the faith, in the belief that God will forgive us and treat us not as we deserve, but will treat us according to what Jesus has done for us on the cross and paying the price for our sins. So faith is important if we're going to have a relationship with God. But faith is so important that the Bible actually Very often describes um, people, Christians who follow God, as following the faith. So, for instance, the Bible says that the churches were strengthened in the faith and grew daily in numbers. That's how central faith is to Christianity, that it very often is called and is still called the faith. And just as the church is called the faith, then the church, the church itself is very often called the household of faith. So again, another verse says, As we have opportunity, let us, uh, let us work for the good of all, especially for those who belong to the household of faith. So Christianity is the faith. The church is the household of faith. So these things again emphasised the importance, the centrality, the foundation that faith plays in, in Christianity and in our relationship with God in the place and the role of the church in the world. So here's a wee question. If faith is so important, why is it not first in the list of the gifts? Mark started last week Um, going through the list of the gifts and so he started with the first one which is um, the message of wisdom or words of wisdom and then the second one which is the message or the words of knowledge and then we come to faith. So why is faith not at the top of that list if it's so important? Well because The first, there's a couple of answers to that. The first one is this that there's actually different types of faith. There's two types of faith that the Bible talks about. The Bible talks about saving faith and it talks about um, empowering faith. Saving faith and empowering faith. Again, I want to keep reminding you of my simple definition of faith that faith is believing God. So, therefore, The Bible says that uh, we need to know who God is, that we need to believe in God, so that when He says that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, as I said already, that God will forgive our sins, that He will give us the gift of the Holy Spirit, and He will begin the work of changing us more and more into people um, who look more and more like Jesus, who think and who act and treat other people the way that Jesus would. But that faith itself, that saving faith, is itself still a gift from God. So a verse that many of you might know says in Ephesians chapter 2, For you are saved by grace through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is, the, it is God's gift, not from works, so that you can't boast. So one of the things that the Bible teaches is that you can hear about God, you can hear what Jesus has done for you on the cross, and it will just go over your head. But there comes a point where the Holy Spirit gives you the gift of faith, and suddenly those words make sense. And suddenly you have that sense that I need to come to God to believe that he will hear me, to believe that he will forgive me, to believe that he will accept me. And that conviction, that step that takes you into a relationship with God, that is a gift of faith by the Holy Spirit. So saving faith is a gift of God. And then having received that gift of saving faith, you can then move on to be given the gift of empowering faith. Faith that believes God for great things and faith which does great things for God. There's a chapter in the Bible, uh, Hebrews chapter 11, and the the whole chapter is a chapter dedicated to faith and the power of faith and the the change that faith makes. And towards the end, read these words. Chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11 it says time is too short for me to tell about Gideon, Barak, Simeon, Jephthah, David, Samuel and the prophets who by faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the raging fire, escaped the edge of the sword, gained strength and weakness, became mighty in battle and put foreign enemies to flight. Women received their dead, raised to life again. Other people were tortured, not accepting relief, uh, release so that they might gain a better resurrection. Others experienced mocking and scourgings, as well as bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they died by the sword, they wandered about in, in sheepskins and in goatskins, destitute, afflicted and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and in mountains, hiding in caves and holes in the ground. And the writer to that letter, they have just spent their time going through that whole chapter going through every part of the Old Testament and saying, this person did this by faith. This person did this by faith. And time and time again, the phrase is repeated by faith, by faith, by faith to show the power um, of empowering faith and we'll look at empowering faith a wee bit more in a bit more detail in, uh, in a second but I want to also make one other point about faith that not only is it divided into saving faith and empowering faith but faith is the only spiritual characteristic the only spiritual attribute which the Bible speaks about as both being a gift as it does in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 But elsewhere, the Bible speaks about faith being a fruit. So in Galatians chapter 5 and in verse 22, uh, we read these words. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Most of our translations finish that list of the fruits of the Spirit by using the word faithfulness. And we therefore tend to translate it in our heads as meaning things like loyalty, trustworthiness, being consistent, being reliable but it's actually the same word that is translated not only as faith in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it's the same word which is translated 240 times in the whole of the New Testament, as faith so it's the same thing there so why is faith both a gift and a fruit? Well, Mark gave us the answer to this when he started this series and started looking at Ephesians chapter 12, sorry, 1 uh, Corinthians chapter 12. So uh, in verse 7, um, it says these words, A manifestation of the Spirit is given to each person for the common good. And as Mark pointed out, the point and the purpose of the gifts is to equip the church to serve God. So um, gifts are given to benefit the whole church and further the work of God. The fruit is given to the individual to further their relationship with God, to grow faith and to enable them to know God better. So it's empowering faith, as I said, that's referred to in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 9. That's why it's not first. Because Mark pointed out the first gift is message of wisdom, which is an an ability to speak and to tell people who Jesus is so that they can receive saving faith, so that then they can go on to be given the gift of empowering faith. And so it's no accident that when uh, Paul does speak about the gift of faith in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, that after that, The gifts that he speaks about are the supernatural gifts like healing, miracles, prophecy, and so on. It's the gift of empowering faith that has enabled Christians to become missionaries and pastors, uh, to give up wealth, to give up power, security, in order to go and serve God. It's empowering faith, the gift of faith, that has enabled Christians to go and work among the poor, to work among the sick, to work among the forgotten, the oppressed, and the neglected, and the rejected. It's the gift of faith that enables Christians to believe God will provide and protect and use them to bring others to faith, to transform lives, to challenge injustice, to stand up against evil and oppression. And sometimes it's the gift of faith that gives the supernatural ability to be prepared to give your life for the sake of telling people about Christ. And this gift of faith is already at work in this fellowship. So as a fellowship, we're aware of Ramsey's Stewart who, as a young man, has decided that rather than settle down and get a job here in Scotland, felt that God was calling him to take himself to America and to work with uh, Youth with Christ. That is a gift of faith because he's there believing that God will give him what he needs in terms of finance to be able to support himself there, to give him somewhere to live, to be able to give him something to eat because we all enjoy eating. But he's also there with that gift of faith and because he's used that gift of faith God is giving that young man other gifts he's learning gifts of administration he's learning gifts of evangelism he's learning gifts of leadership and all of that is coming out of the gift of faith that God gave him in the first place to believe that he had this call in his life and to go and follow it that takes courage as well as faith and so it's important that we recognize that, and that becomes another reason why we pray for Ramsay and we support him and we encourage him. And you'll find as we go through the gifts that encouragement is also a gift. So encourage Ramsay if you get the opportunity uh, to do so. So there's the gift of faith, there's the fruit of faith. How do we get faith? How do we grow faith as a fruit? And I want to suggest to you, again, I like my threes. It's very Trinitarian and very biblical. (laughs) Three ways in which we can grow faith, okay, is by spending time with God, spending time with God's people, and spending time serving God and serving God's people. First of all, spending time with God. A number of years ago, good number of years ago, because this happened when I was in school, um, I heard about an interesting young lady, and what made her interesting to me was that I heard that she wanted to become a minister. Now, I hadn't actually met many people who wanted to become ministers, and I certainly hadn't come across any women who wanted to become ministers, so I found this idea to be really quite Interesting. Unfortunately, this interesting young lady didn't seem to actually reciprocate the same interest towards me. Uh, I have it in good authority that um, when her mum picked me out in a crowd, because I tend to be tall, I had hair – somebody once described as having hair like a tarry brush – tall, gangly, with glasses and hair like this. And her mother said, who is that? And the interesting young lady said, oh, that's that peep from the biology class i have been telling you about. Well, that interesting young lady and the creep from the biology class have been married for 37 years. (laughs) We have had three children together. She didn't actually go on to be a minister, but she has qualified as a hairdresser, as a chiropodist, as a biochemist, and as a midwife. I was the one that became a minister. I've also, and I am also an, uh, an IT technician, I've been a repair technician. I had a time as a math teacher, which is hilarious because I, think I suffer from a thing called calcalexia, which means I mix up numbers. So can you imagine anybody less suited to stand up in front of the class and try and teach people how to do math? I love God's sense of humour. But in those 37 years, as you can imagine, not only have we done a lot together, we've been through a lot together. And we are very different people now, both Lorraine and I, from the, yeah, the teenagers that met over a petri dish in a biology class. And that relationship with one another has not only taught us about each other, it's taught us about ourselves. And that relationship that we have had for all this time has changed and transformed us and made us the people that we are today that we wouldn't have been if we had either never met or if we, had, if we had met someone else. And it's the same way. If you want to grow faith, it starts by spending time with God. Spending time with God reading your Bible. Spending your time with God praying. Spending your time in, with God and worship. Whether you do that on your own or whether you do that... Uh, as we we have opportunity as part of the church whether we do it on a Sunday, whether we join the times of prayer uh, that are available during the week whether we do it by knocking down walls in a church somewhere, whether we do it by joining the men's meeting or the women's meeting, these are all opportunities for us to spend time with God to find out who God is not just someone that we read about in a book but to actually get to know who God is and that relationship grows faith, but it also changes us and transforms us and makes us into a very different person that we would be if we didn't spend spend time with God. And in the same way, very simply, spending time with God's people has the same effect as well. Because to a certain extent, faith is infectious. And when you spend your time around people of faith, people who have a trust and a confidence in God, that rubs off. There's a verse in the Bible, um, in Proverbs, that says that iron sharpens iron, and one person sharpens another. And so as we that's why, yes, it's important that we spend time as individuals and with God, but it's also important, it's vital, that we spend time with other Christians. So it is good that we can watch a service Um, when it's been streamed or we can watch um, Christian TV at home or listen to, you know, watch stuff on the Mm -hmm. internet. All of that is good and helpful but also there needs to be this opportunity to meet with other Christians. And I I don't know about you but I've had the experience very often of sitting in a prayer meeting listening to someone pray and sometimes it's the way in which they pray for something that makes me think about something in a way that I wouldn't have before. Sometimes it's listening to somebody praying about something and I know what's going on in that person's life and therefore for them to be able to pray about that or to be able to pray about that in that way really challenges me about my Christian life and about my thinking and whether or not it lines up with the kind of person that Jesus wants me to be. So spend time with God, spend time with God's people, and finally, thirdly, serving God and serving God's people. How did you develop any skill that you've got, whether it's knitting, whether it's cooking, whether it's driving, whether it's playing an instrument, whether it's singing or something else? Gifts of creativity and art. How do you develop those gifts? You put the time and the effort into using them. And it's the practice and it's the doing that develops the skills. So I can read lots of music, I can read lots of things about music. I can tell you now if I stand up here and sing, you will know I've not got the gift of singing. And you will know I've not put the time and the effort into learning how to sing. But that's how we learn. Again, I know that Mark, you know, I think that as we go through this series, Mark has already mentioned that, you know, we will have a look at, if you don't know what your spiritual gifts are, we'll look at, you know, how do we learn what our gifts are. And again, um, a few weeks ago, um, there was a a sheet, is maybe the best way of describing it, um, was put out with the opportunity to serve in different ways. And again, you were encouraged to be able to, where you think you've got the gifts To be able to to sign up to serve in those ways, and if you don't know what your gifts are, as I said, well, the opportunity will come to be able to get to sit down and to and to think about what are your gifts and therefore how you can use them. But there is absolutely no point in God giving you a gift if you're not actually going to use it and develop it um, and refine it over over time. So when God gives you a gift. You grow that gift by using it. And faith, therefore, grows by using it. By having that experience that when you pray, that God hears you and that things happen. You have faith grows when you read the Word and you read the Bible and you realise that the Bible actually makes sense, that it shows you the right way to live, that it gives you a wisdom to know what to do in situations that you didn't have before but could only come from God. So this is how you grow faith and you develop faith as a fruit, as a gift. It's really simple because it says further on in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, earnestly desire the greater gifts. So if you want faith as a gift, ask for it. Just be prepared. Remember what I've told you before about the gift of faith enables people to do and how it can take you out of your comfort zones. How it can sometimes put you in difficult, awkward and sometimes maybe even dangerous situations. So it is really easy to ask for the gift of faith. But there's also an old saying that says, be careful what you ask for. (laughs) Consider that very carefully therefore before you ask God for the gift of faith it's not a shortcut or a substitute for growing the fruit of faith so what have we learned about faith this morning we've learned this morning hopefully we've got somebody coming up on the screen we've learned this morning that there is saving faith there is empowering faith we've learned that there is a gift of faith and there is a fruit of faith the gift is given to some but the fruit is needed for everybody to grow in the knowledge of God, to grow in the relationship with God and with his people and to live in obedience to him. So if you're a Christian this morning, what I need to emphasize to you this morning is that it doesn't matter whether we're talking about the gift of faith or we're talking about the fruit of faith, it is always the gift of the Holy Spirit to give faith and it is always The work of the Holy Spirit to grow the fruit of faith. And the reason why I want to emphasise that to you this morning is, I don't know how many times I've heard a sermon on faith, and people go away actually feeling worse than if the preacher had never stood up and spoken in the first place. Because how often do people pray and something doesn't happen, or something doesn't happen the way they expect? Or someone is trying to obey God, and suddenly they find that things, instead of getting better, actually get worse. And so we're taught this idea, you need to grow your faith, you need to pray more, you need to read your Bible more. That's not what I'm saying to you this morning. Because the problem is that, and again, sometimes as Christians we make the mistake of saying the same thing to people, is if you only had more faith, then... And sometimes we think, well, if I only had more faith, God would hear my prayers or, this wouldn't happen, or, you know, why can't I be like so-and-so? You need to remember this morning that faith is always the work of the Holy Spirit. Faith is not like some five-year-old bunching up their fists, closing their eyes really tight and making a wish before they blow out the candles on their birthday cake. Faith is always the work of the Holy Spirit. And so some, it's not a question of you need more faith. It's more a question of you need more time to grow your faith. But you're maybe just not ready yet for the things that you've asked or for the situations that you've put yourself in and God's got you bail you out. And also this morning... You know, again, we, we sometimes, you know, I've mentioned Ramji this morning, and sometimes instead of being encouraged by that, we think, oh, well, if I, had, I wish I had that faith that would let me do that. Or we, uh, we listen to stories of Christians who are facing horrendous um, uh, persecution and we think, I couldn't do that. And, you know, maybe there's a truth to that, but the reality is God's not asking us to do that. And therefore, we're beating ourselves up about a lack of faith that God's not actually expecting us to have in the first place. Because if he did, he'd give us the faith if we needed it. I have a, a lovely friend. She's, she's, she was uh, one of my first teachers when I became a Christian. And I'm convinced, I've always joked, that if June's house went on fire, it would rain inside the house. And not because she's got a sprinkler system. She's just got that tremendous faith. And she has served God faithfully for a lot longer than I have. But one of the things I've learned is never look at another Christian and compare yourself to them. Only if I was like them, if I had their faith. Two reasons why never look at another Christian and compare yourself. One is their faith, the fruit of their faith, has grown out of their relationship with God and the circumstances that God has put them in. Which will be very different to your relationship with God and the situations that God is putting you in so God is growing your faith, the fruit of your faith, just the way he wants at the pace he wants the second thing is it can be a big mistake to go and compare yourself and compare your fruit of faith with somebody who's maybe got a gift of faith because God has given them a supernatural amount of faith that he hasn't given to you so, you're comparing two different things. Comparing the fruit of faith and comparing the gift of faith is two different things. So, never look at another Christian and assume just because they seem to have a lot more faith than you, that that's because they're a better Christian than you. It's because God is doing a different thing in your life from what He's doing in theirs. If you want more faith, then yes. Ask for it, but let God be the one who grows that faith in you as he chooses. If he chooses to give you a gift of faith that will let you do supernatural or amazing things, that's up to God. But if God decides that he's going to take you the slow way, the methodical way that you will grow your faith as a fruit, that's up to God as well. But be content with the fact that God is not going to ask you to do anything that He will not equip you to do. So, desire to grow. Have that desire to grow your faith. But don't let it, don't try and run before you can walk. If I asked one of the kids that are in um, the, uh, the Sunday club just now, like Wee James, to go and pick up a chair. Is that unreasonable of me. I mean, I could pick up two, maybe three chairs. There's probably folk in here who can pick up five or six. And some of the guys can probably pick up more. So what I ask of James as a wee lad, and what I expect of his dad is two different things. And therefore, God looks at us, and he decides, are you down there in your faith? Have you grown up there in your faith? And God will ask you to do what God knows that you are capable of doing. So if you are a Christian this morning, don't beat yourself up about your faith. Be patient. And remember that it's God who's working in you and not something that you have to do for God. If you aren't a Christian today, then you can't have that empowering faith without having started with the gift of faith and if there's anyone here this morning that's in that situation or if there's anybody who's watching in the live stream who hasn't yet asked God to come into their lives that's where you need to start today because God wants to give you that gift of faith so that you can have the assurance that you are accepted and forgiven so that you can have a relationship with God that will grow the fruit of faith so that you can live in the obedience of faith, and so that you can serve God in the power of faith. If you want to know God in that way this, today, then there are people here that you can talk to. There's me, there's Mark, there's, uh, there's Paul. I've lost. Paul's at the back, sorry. Uh, or there's other people that you can speak to um, if you want to. If you're online, then again, you can contact... Uh, Us as a church here through the church website, you can do it through social media so, through Facebook, uh, through WhatsApp, through Instagram, through Twitter all of these ways. If you have questions this morning, and maybe you've maybe recently given your life to God, and you're now the question is, Well, what do I do next? How do I grow in my faith? How do I get to know God better? How do I get to serve God? If you have these questions, then again, um. There are people that you can speak to or you can get in touch with um, that will answer those questions. We want you this morning to know that the opportunity is there, that we can help you to grow in the faith that God has given you and that God will continue to give you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for this truth that faith is not something that we do, that it's something that you do in us. And so we do pray that you would give us more faith, whether that is a gift of faith to do extraordinary things, or whether that's the fruit of faith um, in order to to know you better, um, to be more obedient to you, to be more of an example to others of what it means to be uh, a Christian, or what it means to be a follower of you. But we pray this morning... That you would increase our faith, that um, we would grow in our faith, that we would be able to know you better, that we would be able to trust you better, Heavenly Father. And we ask this in your name. Amen. You have a couple of opportunities to uh, respond. This morning, in a wee second, Paul, is, uh, Paul and Amy are going to come and lead us in a couple of songs, again, to make us think more about faith. But while those songs are being sung, I want to remind you that uh, the communion table is there, and the only requisite, um, the, only, the only rule that says where you can go to the communion table and take the bread and wine is, do you recognise that Jesus has died for you? Have you got that faith that believes that when Christ died, he did it for you? I'm always struck by the fact that when when Jesus and his disciples gathered together at the Last Supper, there was 13 people in the room, there was Jesus and 12 disciples. By the time Jesus got to the point where he went to the when he, he stood up and he broke the bread and he said, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And when he stood up and said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for the forgiveness of many, they were down to twelve. Because Judas had left, because he didn't believe who Jesus was. So this morning. That's my invitation to you is God wants you to recognize who he is, to come to this table in faith and believing that Christ has died for you, not for someone else, not for the person sitting next to you, not for the guy up front speaking, but to believe that Christ has died for you so that you can be accepted by God, so that you could know God, and so that you can live for God. So as we're Finishing these songs of worship this morning. Take this opportunity to acknowledge what God has done for you. Drink in faith and drink in gratitude. But please take the opportunity to drink.